Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? Going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. It is uh, officially fall now. Yeah, and it's coming with the gray skies today as we're looking out the windows. Yeah, lots of rain, lots of fog, lots of 60-degree weather, but as things are starting to clear up a little bit, the fall colors are slowly beginning to change. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. Uh, It looks like we're projecting third week in October for, like, peak fall colors. Is that what they're saying? Yep. Uh, Moved back a week. Um, I'm wondering if that's just because of the weather and how that works, but... I think the temperature has a lot to do with how the colors actually change, right? The colder it is, the quicker it changes. Maybe it's the opposite. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good question. I I wrote about this last year because my niece asked this question. So I looked it up and and wrote something about it, and now I'm totally blanking. So you can see how much knowledge just does not stick in my brain. Right. Unless it's a... A Packer statistic for yeah. some stupid reason. So lots of stuff going on this weekend. Uh, Bailey's Harbor has their Autumn Fest, and the Hey Hey 5K is part of that. So I know that you've been working hard getting that started and, and ready to go for this weekend. Yeah, I'm still a little soaked from setting up the finish line for that just a few minutes ago. But tomorrow, we're recording this Friday, and the run is on Saturday morning. People can still sign up. But yeah, the weather's supposed to look great. Saturday for Autumn Fest in Bailey's Harbor. The Hey Hey 5K has kind of a, a cool story, doesn't it? This is the fifth year that it's been going, or the sixth? Uh, fifth, this will be the fifth, you're right. I actually didn't realize that until like a week ago. I'm like, oh wait, this is the fifth annual. I probably should have mentioned that in some of our promotions. Um, but yeah, we've been doing it. We just partnered with Door County Brewing Company on it, and it's just a fun run right around the back roads of Bailey's Harbor, and then we hang out at the brewery afterward, and um, kind of started it right after the brewery opened, just as a way to help them promote the the brewery and and just do another run because kind of just because I wanted to <laughs> and uh, you know we get about 300 to 400 runners and everyone gets a pretty cool shirt and a glass and you get a free beer and this year we added a kids run component I didn't anticipate a lot of families doing this when we first started it but then they started doing it and then I was like well I don't want kids to have to pay 40 bucks to do this thing and I also didn't want to give them a shirt that just had like a beer logo on the front yeah. for a five-year-old. That was weird to me. So we got kid shirts this year. We got Door County Ice Cream Factory. Todd Frazzoni helps us out, brings down ice cream, and we do root beer flows for the little guys, like 14 and under. So it's a good time. There's a, a local celebrity who kind of inspired the Hey Hey 5K, right? Yeah, you know, it's Freddie K. I suppose if people don't know that, they're like, what? hey, hey, what? somebody repeats themselves. Yeah, it's just um, a, it's a, a fun title for it. Yeah, the Door County Brewing Company... When they first started out, they made the Polka King Porter, which is kind of an ode to Freddie Kay, who was the Polka King of Door County. And one of the things he used to always say is just, hey, hey, thinking of a name for this thing. I'm like, that's as good as any. So let's do that. I looked at the chorus kind of in preparation for this weekend, and it seems like it just kind of goes like in the in the residential area of Bailey's Harbor. Is that right? Or is it more secluded? 
I've never thought of the residential area of Bailey's Harbor. Um, yeah, you know, the, the hidden one that's... Versus know. the manufacturing district, the business district, yeah. and the ag district. Right. Yes, they're very... Uh, very distinct sections of Bailey's Harbor. Now, uh, it's just around the back roads. I would love to take uh, the run like through town. Uh, that's one of the things I want to do up here is organize a run that goes right through the center of town. So you could have people cheering on the sides of the street and stuff and make a really cool scene, sort of like what they do at the Berkebiner up north. But it becomes pretty hard to, especially with all these towns, the main drag is a state highway. So you have to work with the state to do anything like that and closing roads and things like that is really difficult. So that was my first vision for this is like, oh, we're going to start Autumn Fest by everyone coming through and running straight through town and that'll be a really cool scene and cool photos, but that didn't work. So we start and end behind the Door County Brewing Company tap room. It's kind of a funky finish line with a couple of 90 degree turns. And we just go around the back roads of Bailey's out by the cemetery. It's kind of a pretty little run out there and you come back toward the water down Hill Road and you just see the, the water out in the distance as you come down by the Blue Ox. So, so another thing that's happening this weekend, which is kind of cool with all these like harvest festivals and stuff, I know Lautenbox just started doing their apple pickings. Everybody's really getting into the fall feeling. But Hugo House is doing Oktoberfest up in Ellison Bay. Nice. And they've got like all this kind of stuff going up. Growing up, uh, there was an Oktoberfest that would happen every year right down the street from where I lived. So like I grew up going to Oktoberfest and like playing kids games and drinking apple cider and that kind of stuff. So it's cool to see that up here. But I actually looked into Oktoberfest. Do you know what an Oktoberfest beer actually is? Or what you would consider to be an Oktoberfest beer? Like, do I know the, the specific ingredients or what? Or what makes them special? Because, like, every brewing company comes out with their beer and they just call it the Oktoberfest. Yeah. But it's not just a name. There's, like, kind of a weird classifications of it that make oh, it an Oktoberfest. Tell me about it. What is it? So it's a Marzen beer. I think that's how you pr- pronounce it. Uh, which just basically means like a March beer, which is kind of strange. And it comes from the first Oktoberfests that were held in Germany. And everybody made this kind of like amber beer. And it was 200 years ago, and there's not a lot written down about what was there. But so it's like this is kind of an approximation of what probably was served at (laughs) Oktoberfest. That's just it. So it's like brewing companies come up with the Marzen around this time, and then they call it an Oktoberfest. And that's really all it is. Well, I like them. And I like them. It is weird how you like a certain thing at a certain time of year. When they started coming out with the Oktoberfest a couple weeks ago, when they started showing up, you know, I sit at the bar and I'm looking at the taps. I'm like, oh, Oktoberfest. I didn't know I was in the mood for that, but I'm totally in the mood for that. And then when I got it, I'm like, yes, this is good. It's that time of year. Just like big, beefy broth stuff tastes good come the heart of winter. Right. But it's just interesting that like there isn't anything specific that really qualifies it as an Oktoberfest. It's just like around this time, pretty much any Marzen will do. And they just call (laughs) it an Oktoberfest and send it out and it becomes this kind of thing that happens. By the way, for the listeners, Andrew is a a very uh, fall attire here. He's got like the orange cap. He he looks like a falling falling leaf. Yeah, got the, the boots. I get super excited for fall. And like you were saying, there's so much seasonally that I appreciate, especially like in beer and alcohol. Because, like, in the summer, I'm all about really light beers, summer shandies, that kind of stuff, ciders. And then in the the winter, it's, like, the darkest possible beers I can get, the heaviest stouts. There's a beer called the St. Bernardus, which I love. It's, like, a super dark, I think it's, like, an oatmeal stout, but it's really, really dark, and it's, like, my favorite beer. Uh, but I only found it at Beerzot, and now I have nowhere to get it up here. I know, I really miss Beerzot. Yeah. If Come you, on, Britt, open up. If you know where I can get uh, St. Bernardus, let me know, because it's... It's real good. Beers that also did a, a Bananas Foster's Porter, I think. And that tasted basically like banana cider. It was incredible. 
Anything else coming up this weekend that's important to talk well, about? Obviously, after the Hey Hey 5K, you have Autumn Fest in Bailey's Harbor, and there's going to be music, there be a arts and crafts fair, and the Pistons and Pinups. Yeah, the um, car show. Car show. And I was actually just talking to Katie Holman, and she said they, they have, like, an abundance of models for that car show. She said, like, apparently it's not super easy to get volunteers for, like, people to register for things and man our different tents, but everybody is volunteering to get their picture taken with a cool car right now, so it should be a pretty cool uh, car show. Yeah, I went there last year, and it is kind of a cool vibe. There's uh, a lot of models who who walk around and pose with the cars and stuff like that, and it just creates this, like, this vibe, because car shows always have that kind of, like, old-fashioned vibe to it, too, and this just really adds on top of that. You know what I mean? I volunteered to bring my Ford Escape down there for that, and they, they said it wasn't really going to work for it's the car show. not vintage enough. <laughs> There's another run that's going on this weekend, too, right? The Alzheimer's Walk? Yeah, it's the Alzheimer's Walk down in Surgeon Bay, and that takes place at T.J. Walker Middle School. They'll register people at 8. They'll have a little ceremony at 9 o'clock, and then the walk will begin from there at T.J. Walker. Raising funds for Alzheimer's care and research, you know, in an aging community like Door County, that is just going to become more and more of an issue for a lot of different families, not just the people who are diagnosed. And I guess like technically you don't get diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's a diagnosed with dementia because I, I think you technically can't diagnose it until after someone passes. Sure. Not positive on that, but that's what I've been told dealing with it in my own family. And it's not just the people that have it. It's the people who care for them that face so much struggle. And I've just seen friends. I've seen my own family deal with it. And just finding the resources that you need to get care. And, you know, it's, it's not something that you're looking for resources to cure something. You're looking for resources to manage this and struggle with this as a family as long as it might go on. It could be a couple of years. It could be 20 years. I've got a friend whose mother is 60, diagnosed with early onset, probably about five years into that struggle. And she's in very difficult shape. It's progressed rapidly. And they might be looking at 20 years of trying to deal with that. So, you know, you have those kind of twin issues up here of like the lack of childcare and then the struggle to find resources for people who have to take care of their parents as they age. Right. Well, and the other thing too is like, not only is this in support of, you know, helping people manage that, but it also creates a community around it too. Yeah. And it creates a support system for people who are going through it that allows them to meet and connect with each other and share their stories and, and try to, to create that web of support that is really important around that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, because Alzheimer's is one of those things that you don't want to go out and talk about like what you're dealing with as a caregiver. And you can kind of sit inside your own shell and feel like you have to figure it all out on your own. But there's a lot of other people trying to figure this out too. And they're all shooting darts at a board, you know. Unfortunately, it's not like a broken ankle or a sprain or a dental work that you're like, well, I can do this and that will fix it. And this will lead to progress. You don't really know at all from day to day what you're going to be dealing with and what's going to work and what's going to help. And talking to a lot of different people and just getting ideas of how other people solve problems. And up here where you're so spread out, where it's not, um, you know, maybe in, in certain way you're a little more condensed uh, in that you're living close to the hospitals and caregiving resources and things. But even there, it's not like an urban area. So trying to struggle and continue to live your life while having to coordinate care and find resources, a lot of times for caregivers, it's just trying to find a few hours 
that they don't have to be worried about the person they're caring for to live their own life and kind of clear their head. And that's hard to do when you're looking at, all right, I got to drive 45 minutes to use some of these resources. And like I said, Door County, with one of the oldest populations in the state, Alzheimer's and various forms of dementia becoming more and more prevalent with each passing year, it's going to be a big burden on a lot of people and a big cost burden. So things like this, especially doing this in Door County, I think it's good to raise that awareness and get people thinking about it, get our county leaders and our state representatives thinking about this. Just because I think it's 10, 15 years from now, it's only going to get worse in terms of how we grapple with it. Right. And right now, it's it's not so much a cure. I mean, hopefully one day we do. But right now, it's finding out, like, all right, how do we provide resources for all these people who need help? Right. Well, Miles, why don't we take a break? Uh, and then when we come back, I want to talk about my favorite thing to talk about, Indoor County, and it's uh, our lack of internet access <laughs> here. Um, so there's some news about Frontier that I want to dig into, uh, and then we can try to have our annual, like, why can't I get internet vent Spoil- session. Spoiler alert, it's not great news about Frontier. It is not, unfortunately. So let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll jump into that. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. So, Miles, what's going on with Frontier? So, Frontier Wireless, brief this by saying I have tried to contact multiple people at Frontier Corporate and through their website channels, but also through contacts I've made there over the years. I have not heard back. Not surprising. If you follow, like, stock reports and things like that, the outlook for Frontier hasn't been good for quite some time. Frontier provides internet service and phone service to Basically, the upper third of Door County is where their coverage map goes. A lot of landline service. And when they moved into the market eight, nine years ago, their high-speed DSL was, while not the end-all solution for high-speed internet in Northern Door, a lot of people were pretty excited because it was going to allow people to get a better service than they had and would service some areas that couldn't be served by Door County Broadband, which is a wireless internet provider that I have it at home. It's great service. We use it here at the office. You can't get it everywhere because it's based on power placement and line of sight. So Frontier, problem is they've acquired Verizon's territory and like have spent billions acquiring different territories over the last 10 years. And as that was happening, the outlook wasn't good. Uh, I found an economic report from 2015 that said, expect Frontier to be bankrupt in 2020. And now the reports have stepped up. There are speculation that they could go bankrupt at any time, probably next year. They did find some money to make a $365 million debt payment a couple of weeks ago that kind of leveled things out for the time being. But there's a lot of speculation. And then locally, how that's trickling down is I talked to several folks who, when they returned this year to Door County for the summer, and they had Frontier service in the past, 
Frontier would not reconnect them and re-up their service for the summer. So for telephone or internet. So they couldn't get their landline service back. Interesting. And if you're somebody in Liberty Grove on some of those distant areas where your cell phone coverage is spotty, not getting your landline is potentially dangerous if you're right. somebody who's maybe has medical issues. And I've heard that throughout Northern Door has happened and people are saying you can't get a new line unless it's a business. I guess they're still hooking up business lines, but people have not been able to get new residential phone service. Hmm. And then internet service, they're not adding, I guess, ports to, to allow people to get new internet service. I think, I don't know if you ran into that with Frontier or... Yes, I have an interesting story about that. But before we continue on, I don't want to take for granted that everybody understands how internet access works and what the different ways of being connected are. So I just want to basically go top of the head and kind of break it down. There's three main places that you can get your internet from. You can get them from a wire, which is what we're talking about with Frontiers Broadband. You can get them from a tower on the ground, which would be like a cell tower if you're getting your internet from AT&T or if you're getting uh, Door County Broadband up here. Uh, And then you can get it from space, which would be satellite internet. And there's pros and cons to each of those. So with satellite internet, your location doesn't really matter. As long as you can get a clear view of the sky, you can get internet. Most, if not all, satellite companies put data caps on. So if you're somebody who uses their internet for work and you're, you're bumping up against your data caps, that's not the best option. Especially if you're satellite, getting it through satellite, that's where those caps are really yes. hamstringing people. Right. If you're getting it from a tower on the ground, your latency is going to be much better. So you still need an unobstructed view of the tower, but your latency, and that's how fast your connection is made, it's going to be much better getting it from the ground than from space. So if you're somebody who plays online video games, satellite internet does not work for that because you press a button and it takes or a couple Or stream seconds. anything at all. Well, streaming isn't so bogged down by latency. Not so much that it's bogged down, but you can plow through your data. Yes, yes, you can go so fast through it. So ideally, if you're a heavy internet user, you really want to get broadband wired, right? And your options up here for that, from what I understand, are Frontier and Charter, right? To digress, like as somebody who has Door County broadband, I stream a lot and use nonstop on the internet, and it works great. I have no issues in doing anything I want to do using Door County Broadband's service, and I'm not even using, like, the peak level of it. Right. In fact, we have my fantasy football draft in which everyone's paranoid about (laughs) or their internet service, and I have 15 guys in my garage all doing the draft at the same time, and we have football streaming on TV. I've never had an issue with it other than occasionally, like, weather issues. So that service can be really good without having, like, the hardwire in it. But, again, it, it all depends on your line of sight. Yeah, you have to be able to see the towers. So in my experience, uh, I live kind of in the woods, which means that my options are satellite, and luckily I was able to get Frontier. I can't get Door County Broadband because I can't see anything. The only option for me is to build my own tower or have a tower built on my property, which can be cost prohibitive. How long is that taking you? Are you using like pallets or are you just... Yeah, Yeah, you basically, I'm going to go up on my roof and basically stack a bunch of ladders on top of each other to get up there. But it can be cost prohibitive. I mean, it can be about $6,000 to put up a non-guide tower, I think is what they're called. But if you have to put in a guide tower, which means it has to be like secured to the ground. Yeah, uh, those big wires. Yeah, that then goes up to $10,000 plus. Yeah. So... Uh, It can be cost prohibitive in that way. So when we moved up into our neighborhood, we were calling around to see who would service us. Frontier said that there was one port in our entire neighborhood. 
And because nobody was on it, we were able to get it. Now, that means that nobody else in my neighborhood can get Frontier because we have the only port available for it. <laughs> we paid for speeds of up to 10 megabytes per second. Just to kind of break that down, if you wanted to stream Netflix in HD, you need about six. Six is kind of the minimum for that, right? 10, you're doing pretty good. The average in the United States is anywhere from 30 to 60, just to kind of give you those numbers. So we were paying for 10. We got about 1.7. The next year, they changed their pricing and locked us at one megabyte per second, which is, it's nothing, right? Yeah. I've called probably every six months to see if they've improved service, to see if I could get up to the next level. But because they can't guarantee me the next level speeds, they've locked me at one. So it's just one of those things where it's like, that's kind of I'm impressed that you actually got someone to answer a call there. When I was told talking to many customers, one of the biggest complaints is the quality of the customer service. Yeah, uh, they have an online chat service. That's usually what I go through Mm. just because, I mean, it's somebody basically copying and pasting me responses, but at least they're looking to see if service is upgradable. So that's kind of the internet background in Door County. That's kind of what you're locked into. And I know that we have a lot of listeners who are city dwellers who just like to keep up on Door County. And maybe this doesn't make a lot of sense to them if you haven't actually tried to live here or if you haven't vacationed in one of these areas where the internet is not great because you take it for granted. When I was in Chicago, you're just like, it's not a factor. You just move into an apartment and yeah. then you just call and you get hooked up. Like, yeah, you, you have internet and there's it's not fast. this. There's never a question of like, oh, what is my connectivity and what is my internet option here? Well, in Door County, that is a huge factor. I know a lot of people have just either bought houses or rented apartments and thought, okay, yeah, now I'll just get this. And then they find out, wait, I don't have any option at all. Like, right. I work from home. I'm, I'm screwed. <laughs> like, that kind of conversation happens a lot. And people on vacation do the same thing where they, they're like, oh, we rented this beautiful waterfront home. And... You're like, right, this is a home that probably would sell for $1.8 million. So who would have a house like that but not have internet access? So you rent it for the week, and then the whole family gets up there, and, oh, we don't have any option at all. Like, cell phone reception, they'll be like, I can't call anywhere from this place. So they're walking down the road. Or when it comes to, like, watching a movie or catching TV or just trying to work while they're on vacation, not an option. Well, and the DCEDC has been working on broadband a lot this year and really kind of digging into it. And I, I should correct that. It's been a priority of DCEDC for like 20 years with limited success because it's a high cost item. Well, and the other thing, too, is like Jim Schuschler wrote an article for The Pulse this week uh, about Internet access. And one of the things that he had mentioned was like, if you're not living on 57, then your options aren't good for Internet at all. I live in a neighborhood that's connected to 42 and I still don't have internet access. So to say that like this is a problem if you live outside, but it's a problem everywhere. It's really hard to get it. In fact, the only place that I know of up here that really gets good internet would be Sturgeon Bay and Sister Bay because Sister Bay has access to charter. Yeah. And I think Egg Harbor has charter in the downtown, don't they? And I believe Fish Creek does. I think a lot of the 42 towns main corridor has it, I believe. Yeah, but it's still like... At FICA, we have internet access through Charter at FICA. Our speeds are about 25 megabytes per second, which, again, is under the U.S. average. Hmm. It's fine, and it works for everything that you would need to to have for a business, but that starts to break down once you consider having, like, uh, two parents and two kids, and everybody wants to be doing something on the internet at the same time, and the kids are trying to connect to school so that they can do their homework and that kind of stuff, or, you know 
all these types of things, that breaks down. 25 becomes kind of the minimum of what you would need. When the average internet access up here is probably in the range of 10 megabytes per second, that really starts to get used up pretty quickly in terms yeah. of your speed and usability. And 15 years ago when I would have this conversation with people and poured on this, people were still using dial-up at that point. And so it was, how do we make it a little faster so people can productively do some work and send some emails and that sort of thing. And in the time since, with streaming just becoming so important, at that time it was like, okay, yeah, people who want to stream a movie or watch a video game or download music and stuff like, okay, should we really do all this work to, to get entertainment? But now it's like, that's the standard for entertainment now. And plus, for work, anybody who does any sort of remote work or anything at all, like you're watching webinars or tutorials or doing video conferencing, and it's integral into your day-to-day -day life now. Right. And if you're trying to attract younger adults and even retirees who are used to living in a city or a suburb, that's becoming more, hey, that's how we've lived our life now for 15 years. Be like 1980 saying, yeah, we don't have television service. Right. Um, the quality of life becomes different, and, and the younger generation gets used to that quality of life. And if you're able to find affordable housing up here at all, being able to do so and also get internet, it really starts to narrow your search down. And my wife and I have been dealing with this. We have a child on the way, and our big priority right now is to move. It's to move somewhere else in Door County where we'll be closer to childcare, yes, but also that we'll have internet so that we can, you know, provide our son with access to the internet so that they can do well at school. Because yeah. that's the other thing. I mean, everybody at Gibraltar gets a laptop assigned to them. If my kid can't use it to work, then he's going to be at a disadvantage. Yeah, and you're looking seven, eight years out, which is going to be vital. Right. Um, not even the younger generation. It's not even, you know, when I would report on this 15 years ago, again, it was a lot of the people that were really heavy users were under 50, you know. But now, I mean, my dad's 77 years old this year. He's a big internet user. He lives in a rural area. He has to get broadband. For a long time, it was problematic for him trying to get HughesNet and different services out there. He still works full-time, has business. It's really vital that he has quality internet at his house. He's a mile outside of Egg Harbor. And that's kind of the norm now. When we talk about people who maybe, and I don't want to be ageist here or anything, but like you got to be thinking like 85 plus for people who really had never had quality internet as a part of their working life and their day-to-day -day life before retirement. But, I mean, now it's like anybody up to probably 70 probably was a heavy internet user at work at some point. Right. Well, and if you're listening to the podcast today, you might be taking for granted the fact that you can even listen. I'd say the average episode of this podcast probably is about 100 megabytes. So to stream eight episodes of the podcast per month, that's 800 megabytes. That's approaching a gig. And if you've got like a two gig data cap on your satellite internet, we're using almost half of that just to yeah. listen to this. And there are people who have written in and been like, we can't listen to the podcast because it just uses too much bandwidth for us. Mm -hmm. And anywhere else in the world, that wouldn't even be a consideration. Yeah. I would like to like not just be like, all right, here are all these problems with internet service in Door County. Certainly, there are some interesting solutions. Thankfully, we have Door County broadband. Yeah, there are because, strides that have been made to improve. in talking to people, and they, the DCDC at various points had had serious discussions that went well down the tracks with companies to try and get some grants and get some companies to invest millions and millions of dollars up here to try and extend the internet service and cover all of the county. The last real heavy effort on that front was probably like seven, eight years ago. 
And those companies always fell short. Their ideas fell apart at the last second and were unrealistic, made promises they couldn't deliver. I wish I could say like, here's a solution. At least I have some half-baked idea for it. I don't know what the solution is short of like major state and federal dollars to support it in a rural area like ours. And we're probably last on that list. For us, it would be for residential users. Dollars are probably going to go for economic development areas. So, I mean, there's a lot of rural broadband grants and Liberty Grove has actually been really progressive on this and trying to build new towers and get some grants for these towers and partner with companies to do that. But they run into the, the not in my backyard syndrome that is so prevalent in our county and, and everywhere in the world, but it's really strong here in that they can't find places that the residents find acceptable to put a tower. Even also, the residents that desperately want that service don't want that tower. Right, but there's also uh, regulations that prohibit where you can put towers as well. Yeah. And I know that that's something that the DCDC is looking at too, is trying to work with lawmakers to change those regulations to allow for more towers to be put in different places. Yeah. There are some county ordinances, there are town ordinances. That's just going to be a work in progress. You know, when they first put it out, they're like, all right, how many are we going to have? And now that they've realized like, that might be the only option for some of these areas, they got to rethink it. And towns kind of always have to be reevaluating something like that because it's new technology that we're figuring out as we go. And unfortunately, you have to allot some space in there for some mistakes and probably some towers that we're going to regret putting up. But if people want that service... The fastest way to get more internet coverage in Door County is more towers. Um, I'm not an advocate for just throwing these things everywhere, but that's the reality. Well, and finding internet service providers who are willing to work with the community in order to figure things out too, because like my current house is 800 feet away from being able to get charter, right? And I called and over the course of like two weeks was trying to talk to people about what would it take to get coverage extended to my house? And finally, as reluctant as they were to share the information, they were like, it would cost a lot of money. And I asked how much, and they said, more than you could pay. And I was like, how much money would it cost to get you to come 800 feet closer so that I can get access? And they said like $28,000 to start with. If you could start there and be like, hey, we could extend coverage to you. This is what it's going to cost. We also noticed that there's six houses over there that aren't covered, that if all six of those signed up, then we'll do it for $5,000 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like running sewer and water to houses. They figure out how many houses are there. If the town decides to run it out there, they split the cost amongst all them. And maybe long term, if it were $5,000 per house and you're like, all right, now they're going to have internet access for the next 100 years to that property <laughs> like with maintenance and everything, okay, a couple hundred bucks a year over the term of this life of this house built into the purchase price is not that bad. Right. With Frontier, the biggest problem is they're just not investing. And sure. they're certainly, if they're looking at their economic bottom line, their priority is not going to be to invest up here. Mistakenly, I said towers are the only solution. That's not entirely correct, although towers would play into this as well, is 5G coverage. There are some people who think all these internet providers that we have now are going to be obsolete in 10 years when everyone's just getting 5G coverage. Some people think it's faster than that. I don't know enough about that. There's some speculation there. It also assumes that people are going to cover all of Door County with that. And People can't even get cell service. I'm not smart enough about these things to know this, but I think you're still going to have these huge gaps below bluffs and, and in these dead zones. Well, 5G coverage is interesting because in its current state, it is incredibly fast. I mean, like I said, I get one megabyte per second 
the average is 30. This is talking like two to 5,000 megabytes per second. Like the speed on this is incredible, but you need line of sight with the nodes. It's a short range thing. Who are these node people you're talking about? The nodes are these little boxes that they hang up on on power poles, basically. And it works really great in a city because you can put them every couple feet on the power poles. You can have them facing around. And there's so low latency that as you walk down the street or drive down the street, your phone is switching between these nodes instantly. So you always have coverage. And the way that 5G is laid out in cities is they pay attention to line of sight and they put them where they need to be so that no matter where you go, you're going to have your connection. But that connection speed might get cut in half if you're inside. And it might get cut even further than that if you are behind a building or something like that. The speeds are still incredibly fast, even when they're cut down to a third of what they are at maximum. But that type of coverage isn't going to solve the problem of like living out in a rural area Mm -hmm. because you need a line of sight to the box. I could see it being really great in the towns because then it's like, hey, anywhere in town, I'm going to have line of sight to one of these boxes and I'm going to have incredibly fast internet. All of the businesses could benefit from that. But when it comes to like extending coverage out, there's not enough density to take advantage of 5G. Hmm. Because that's the thing. I thought 5G was going to be like 4G and it was a long range radio signal that could be sent out over a giant tower. But I just don't think that's the way that it works currently. if you had a serious conversation about something like that, like what could accounting do to invest in any of these technologies, whether it be broadband or 5G or like what would the actual cost per home or per town to do that? And towns would have to look at what is our payback on this? Like, does this get us small business? You know, does this get us 20 jobs because somebody can open this X place up or opens the door for this kind of business to open up here? What, what it probably would come down to is like emergency services saying we need something like that and then you can, you can get the money for it. But right. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, if Frontier goes away in the next five years, if somebody will step in to fill those shoes up here in Door County or how things will change. I mean, it could be in, in five years when if Frontier does drop out of Door County, uh, we could already have better solutions in place. So it'll be interesting to see things are moving Decently fast. I mean, with Door County Broadband up here, we didn't have the coverage that we have in Door County 10 years ago. No. Uh, And that's just one company doing their parts to increase our coverage. So it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. It's definitely my number two concern up here in the county. But I guess that's that's my privilege as a young white male. So It's one of the most common things we get emails about here in the post office and in the news department is people emailing and saying, what's the deal with coverage up here? And it's like, okay, I refer you back to (laughs) <laughs> these 35 articles that have been written in the past. But to everyone, when they're dealing with it, it's new. So it's probably something we could republish <laughs> on a monthly basis. Cool. That's going to do it for us this week, Miles. Thank you so much for chatting with me. And uh, have fun at the Hey 5K this week. Thank you, Andrew. I will. For more Door County news, interviews, and exclusive content, check us out at doorcountypulse.com. Or pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse available every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast to get new episodes delivered straight to your device twice a week. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast.